Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, July 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Netflix had a sluggish second quarter, and things aren't looking up for the rest of the year either. And UBS has a new investment portfolio made up exclusively of hedge funds run by women. Plus, demand for lithium is soaring thanks to the electric car boom. Now commodities exchanges are getting in on the market with new contracts for the metal. It's very much like what happened in the oil market back in the 1970s. You know, oil wasn't traded before that time. So they're trying to sort of centralize and create a benchmark price. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Netflix was one of the big winners of the pandemic. Subscriber numbers skyrocketed thanks to people being stuck at home. But as the economy reopens, it has lost a bit of its mojo. Yesterday, Netflix said in the latest quarter it lost more than 400,000 subscribers in the U.S. and Canada. Investors were also disappointed with the company's forecast that it would only add 3.5 million subscribers next quarter. But Netflix does have a plan, and it's not just about movies and TV. The FT's Tim Bradshaw keeps a close eye on Netflix, and he tells me what he's seeing. Mainly, we've seen them make a couple of very interesting and specific hires, first of all into podcasting, and then also into video gaming. So they hired a lady called Najeri Eaton, who was formerly of NPR Radio, and then spent some time at Apple Podcasts. And so she's joined Netflix as director of podcast programming. Very shortly after that, earlier this month, we saw them hire a former executive at, most recently actually, Facebook in its Oculus VR unit, but previously at Zynga and Electronic Arts, a chap called Mike Verdu, who has been in the gaming industry for 30 years, and he is going to be heading up their new gaming division, their interactive division, which is something that barely existed before. Neither of these teams really existed very much before these hires over the last few weeks. So why why move into these spaces, Tim, and not just focus on streaming? Well, Netflix is by far the dominant TV streaming service, at least in the US and, and most of Europe. Um, it's still got plenty of the world to sign up, but it has seen its growth slow a little over the last few quarters. And it's actually becoming a lot harder for all kinds of online ent- entertainment to deliver the kind of growth that we've seen over the past year. So there's the sort of saturation problem that they've maybe kind of reached a a bit of a plateau in their more established markets like the US. And then there's just the fact that it's it's just going to be harder to grow at the kind of same pace that um, the industry has seen over the last few years. That and they've also got a lot of new competition coming in, people like Disney Plus and a bunch of niche uh, streaming services like uh, Mubi or Shudder. So um, there's a lot of different places that people could be signing up for their entertainment. So Netflix has experimented with gaming. For example, it it made a game and a podcast based on its popular sci-fi series, uh, Stranger Things. Do you think that long term, these forays into podcasting and gaming could move the needle for uh, for Netflix? I mean, look, they, they've got 200 million subscribers already. So I think it's unlikely that we're going to see millions and millions of people signing up suddenly because there's a new Stranger Things game as rather than a Stranger Things series. But I think this is much more about retention. The big part that analysts and investors worry about every quarter when Netflix reports its earnings is that, you know, you'll see a large number of people just cancelling their subscription because they're waiting for the next 
series of something that they like to come up and there's not really any new content that they that they're excited about in in the last month or two on netflix and so we've seen netflix's stock is kind of flat in the year to date it's up only five percent over the past year but the conversation around netflix i think will increasingly come around to how does netflix hold on to those 200 million odd subscribers um, when there's so much competition um, for their attention and their subscription dollars and, and adding some podcasts and some games can only help with that. Tim Bradshaw is our global technology correspondent. The Swiss bank UBS has launched a portfolio that invests solely in hedge funds run by women. It's called Carmen and it'll pick about 10 to 15 funds globally where a woman has sole or joint discretion over the investment of the assets. The move comes as investors show more interest in funds run by historically underrepresented people. Right now, women make up less than 11% of senior employees at hedge funds. A senior investment officer at UBS said women had been underrepresented in this area despite a lack of evidence justifying it by skill or performance differences. In fact, during last spring's market plunge, hedge funds run by women were able to limit their losses better than funds run by men. The boom in electric cars is fueling demand for lithium, a key metal used in car and other batteries. And now the London Metal Exchange has launched a new contract for lithium. The LME says the contract is designed to bridge the need for battery and car manufacturers to hedge their exposure to volatile lithium prices. It comes a few months after a U.S. rival, the CME Group, launched a similar contract. Here's the FT's metals and mining correspondent, Henry Sanderson. Yeah, so right now there's all this demand for lithium. And, and, you know, car makers are trying to secure lithium, but there's no sort of benchmark pricing contract. There's not sort of one price that you can Google and look up for lithium. And it's sort of just assessed in different markets by various companies. So what the LME, the London Metal Exchange, and also the CME in New York are trying to do is create a sort of benchmark traded price. It's very much like what happened in the oil market back in the 1970s, you know, oil wasn't traded before that time. So they're trying to sort of centralize and create a benchmark price. Henry, I assume lithium also comes in different shapes and qualities. Would that be a concern for the lithium producers that different levels of quality wouldn't show in this contract? Precisely. This is what, uh, when the LME first introduced the idea to launch this contract a few years ago, a lot of lithium miners were against it because you know, they spend a lot of money or have a lot of expertise in producing different grades of lithium. Um, you know, there's so-called battery grade of lithium because you don't want any impurities in the lithium in your battery, right? The biggest issue with a battery in our electric cars is, you know, they could explode, they can, they can catch fire, right? They're very flammable devices. They're like a contained bomb in a way. So, you know, they, they spend a lot of effort trying to produce finely processed lithium and they want to get paid for that, right? But the LME has spent three years working with producers on this. And the question is, you know, have they addressed these concerns? I think a lot of lithium miners perhaps are still against it, but some are sort of coming around to perhaps the inevitability of having a traded lithium price. So is there enough room for both the LME and the CME to offer this kind of contract? Well, this is the fascinating and big question, right? I mean, the first big question is, is anyone going to use these contracts? Are car makers going to use these contracts to head their exposure? Are investors going to trade them? Are um, lithium miners going to want to use them? This is the sort of big question because, 
It's fairly technical, but lithium is produced in lots of different types and grades and qualities. It's not sort of a simple commodity like gold or, or silver, right? So everyone has slightly sort of different requirements. So it's a big open question whether car makers are, are going to use these contracts at all. Um, and then it becomes a question of who's going to win, the CME or the LME, or perhaps some exchange in China will pop up um, with a contract. So it's really an open question. The market's up for grabs. Henry Sanderson is the FT's metals and mining correspondent. Thanks, Henry. Thanks very much. Before we go, we have news of a French food fight. Charcuterie makers in France are not happy with a popular smartphone app called Yuka. Yuka scores a product's nutritional value after consumers scan the barcode. The Charcuterie Industry Trade Group, or Big Ham, as our Paris reporter Leila Aboud refers to it, is suing the little startup behind the app. Big Ham alleges that Yuka disparaged its members' products by giving them low scores if they contain nitrates. Nitrates in processed meats were deemed a probable carcinogen by the World Health Organization, but charcuterie makers need nitrates to make their products and lengthen their shelf life. Big Ham won its first court case against Yuka. A judge ordered Yuka to remove any mention of the health risks posed by nitrates. One of Yuka's co-founders said she plans to appeal, but added that lawsuits could bankrupt the startup if judges side with Big Ham's requests for millions in damages. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.